And most people think play is like, oh, you have to have a toy or you have to have different objects. Oh, no. It's, it's really part of everything. I always say play is every day. So, um, and my motto is really, you know, um, you, you, your child sees the play and you see the purpose because there's always something that they're learning or doing through that. This is the M Squared Podcast featuring author Miranda Mathis. You will hear tips, tricks, and inspiration that will help you raise and educate little ones who are happy, safe, and kind. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm producer Sarah, and welcome back to the M Squared Books Podcast. I'm here with Miranda, author Miranda Mathis, and our guest today is Linda Salvo, owner of the Play With Purpose, and someone who has really harnessed the ability to educate preschool children through visuals and joyful play. So we're really excited to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so yes. much for having me. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks again. And before we get started, can you tell us just a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So um, I'm a speech and language pathologist. I feel like um, most of my life I've been playing, <laughs> but I'm actually someone who um, has always loved being around kids. I always knew I wanted to do something in regards to teaching them. I also recognize that I love communicating, um, playing, and I initially was on the track to do um, education to be, to be a teacher. And then I saw a movie, Children of the Lesser God, and I'm like, what is that role? And, and uh, William Hurt was a speech pathologist, and I found out more about it. And then I went into that field. So I've been doing it for a little over 30 years. Um, I also own a karate school with my husband. So I do that on the side. So I kind of mix uh, my playfulness and teaching through both those venues. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Well, welcome, Lynn. How are you? Thank you. It's good to see you, Miranda. <laughs> you know, our kids and kids in general, they love to play. Yes. And we all know it, when it comes to playing, they can do it all day and stuff to eat, of course. But <laughs> I just want to ask you, when playing seems to be a key part of what our kids do, how does kids, even adults, learn from playing? I love that question. So, so one of the things that I always used to say to people, I think sometimes play is kind of undervalued in our society of go, go, get them, get them. And people are like, play, well, no, that's kind of frivolous. And, but play really is the way in for uh, children and adults. So it's part of engagement and it's part of really any kind of successful creation, project, or mm -hmm. learning. And so we usually think play is for kids, but when you look at even our jobs, we, a lot of the times, are doing things that are like we're brainstorming, collaborating, mm -hmm. negotiating, all big parts of play. And so, but one of the main things I like to remind people is that kids, um, play is a child's work. That's their work. They're, they're, that's what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be playing. They're supposed to be exploring. Mm -hmm. They're supposed mm -hmm. to be figuring out um, how to work with other kids or on their own. Um, and there's so many different types of play in the sense of playing independently, figuring things out, then playing interactively with other kids. So 
I'm a big, a big proponent. In play. And, and most people think play is like, oh, you have to have a toy or you have to have different objects. Oh, no. It's, it's really part of everything. I always say play is every day. So, um, and my motto is really, you know, um, you, you, your child sees the play and you see the purpose because there's always mm -hmm. something that you're learning or doing through that. So what do you think is so special about play and its role in learning? So a lot of times um, when you think of um, school, preschool, I mean, I think it's much, it's much easier to think of play when you're thinking of young children preschool, you're like, okay, they're playing, they're playing with toys, they're in their centers. And then as kids get older, they're like, okay, now they have to sit in a chair and do this. But really, the, the really good schools and really good education at home and at school is incorporating that part of playfulness to problem solving and figuring things out. So really play is a way to kind of engage um, each other, yourself, but a lot of times play has to do with um, what kids are motivated by. So you'll see some kids that love physical play. They're like, they love to roll around and wrestle and do things in the sand and sensory things. And then some kids love games and some kids love constructing things and putting things together. And some kids love imaginative play and some kids, most kids love a combination of really all of those things, which is a beautiful thing. So the more that we as educators and parents can kind of see the play in every day, um, it, it helps the kids become more connected to us and learn through mm. us. Because really all learning, language learning, communication is all like imitation. So you know mm -hmm. kids are always looking to adults and especially when you see like an imaginative play, if they go to the kitchen, they're like, oh, they're going to make something for breakfast like they see mom or dad do. And they're putting things in the sink and washing dishes. And then, you know, they're holding the baby and feeding the baby. So all those kinds of things are things they're watching, imitating. So that's why I say, you know, a lot of times parents are like, oh, I don't, I might not have time to play. And one of the things I always like to stress is the play is really in all routines. And I can talk a little bit more about specific aspects of that, you know, when we get to that portion. But yeah, it's, yeah. Just, you know, you, you spoke about karate and my godson loves martial arts. Mm -hmm. And some parents will see that as, oh, you're just playing. But martial arts, you're learning. You're learning discipline. You're learning yeah behavioral skills so yes. when you yes. talk about play martial arts pay, play a significant yes. role in learning and it's fun for kids but they're right. also learning something from it would right. you agree uh, uh, very much so so i was going to say i think you know what i think most people think play um there, there really is a structure uh to play a lot of times so even with when you're looking at something like karate you're looking at oh these are skills even when you're playing with different toys and doing turn-taking, you're learning skills through a bunch of, uh, a variety of different activities, whether you're playing with dolls or, but in karate, um, one of the things that um, I always talk to parents about is that when I'm doing different things, like um, I, I use a lot of anticipation of kind of like, oh, what, like I did, in the beginning, we kind of have a um, warm up. And so there's a structure to, oh, we're doing this, but usually it's very fun. It's very playful. So we're jumping, 
we're um, doing jumping jacks, we're jumping into mm -hmm. the different, you know, uh, postures of fighting stance and horse stance. And then I do things called, uh, with the mystery bag, much like I do when I'm a speech pathologist, where I have a bag full of animals for karate, and then we're doing all different animal walks. So it's like, but mm -hmm. within that, there's so much learning going on that people don't even know. Sometimes the parents are sitting there and they're like, what? And, I, and once I kind of talk to them a little bit about what I'm doing, they're like, oh, I didn't realize you were doing that. So while I'm holding the bag, I'm saying, oh, there's an animal in here that is, has whiskers and likes to drink milk and meows. What do you think it is? So they're already using their skills of deduction. Like, whoa, what do you, oh, wait a minute. A cat, a cat. Okay, so a cat. And then we do the karate cat. Like <laughs> in the karate. Um, but but it, it really translates into so many things. So a lot of times, even when you're doing play with um, toys, you could do the same thing with simple things like puzzles where they might have different mm -hmm. um, animals or things like that. And you might mm -hmm. kind of hold some of the uh, some of the uh, puzzle pieces and have them guess. So there's so many different levels to kind of engaging with your kids on very, you know, in ba with basic toys, with basic activities. Yeah, it's pretty much. So let's talk about let's talk about engagement. Can you tell us a bit about engagement and why it's so important, particularly when it comes to babies and our little pre-K children? Yeah. Yes, yes. So, so engagement, part of that is kind of this something called shared attention, where you're sitting down with your baby, your child that you're working with at school, maybe, or pre-K, and you're looking, you might be looking at something together. But whenever you're looking at an object or a toy or something that's happening, there's always something called shared attention, where I'm looking at it, I see that you're looking at it, now we're both looking at it. And so it becomes kind of an interactive thing, which is really the basis of learning all kinds of communication. So if babies are talking and the back and forth of playing. So a lot of times uh, I use, always use a basic example of peekaboo. So peekaboo can be done in, a, in like so many different um, points of the day through routine. So let's say you're waking up and the baby, it depends on how your baby or child wakes up. They might wake up quickly and full of energy, or they might wake up a little slowly. So the way you play in the morning, you're kind of reading what they like doing. And if they like jumping up out of bed, then you know, you could take one of their, you know, one of the, um, their sheets or their blankets and pull it up and be like, peek -a and start something like simple like that, with the peekaboo game. Um, you can do something with their animals where you're singing and singing good morning, but basically you're kind of welcoming them into the day. You can do that again at laundry time when you're doing laundry and something that needs to get done, but you just take maybe a minute, two minutes, five minutes, and take some of the clothing items out of the uh, laundry basket and play a little game of peekaboo with your child. So it's not like you have to be engaged and be playing all day long. But those types of interactions help your child become more connected to you, more focused on what it is they're learning through you. And, and it helps with uh, intimacy, engagement, all those. Things. So it's pretty, it's pretty important. <laughs> okay, do you have any suggestions or tips on the types of toys or things to use for playful learning? I mean, right now you said use 
um, yes. clothing, clothing um, right. any other toys or any other tips you have? Yeah, yeah. So sometimes I say make it, um, keep it simple because a lot of times people think when they go to buy toys for Christmas, um, they there's so many toys out there right now that are like well, bells and whistles. They have, you know, all different um, yeah, amounts of batteries and things that go off and, you know, bell. And one of the things that I always say is uh, the simpler the toy, the more your child will get out of it and the more they can kind of explore. So even simple things like obviously blocks, books, Play-Doh, uh, puzzles, things that are pretty basic. There's so many different ways you can use them. But then the other thing I always like to make clear, especially to parents, because parents are busy. They have a lot of things going on during the day. So even simple things like um, during the routines of the day, like um, when your child's waking up, when they're getting dressed, during mealtime, there's so many different aspects to that that you can make playful just got like I said with the laundry where you kind of do a peekaboo like that or mm-hmm. when you're getting dressed you do something playful like oh let me get your sock okay oh yeah the sock is going to go on your hand right oh no I meant on your head and so you're basically kind of getting them to start thinking what what no it goes on your foot so it's <laughs> Like communication. One of the things I always say, and this is very funny, I have a, a funny story. When I um, worked in a preschool for many, many years, I would be in the classroom and there would be teachers and teacher assistants, and I would um, do my group activity. And I'd be sitting there with, and like, so one of the themes that of the month was clothing. So I would take things out of my bag, like a sock and a hat. And, and um, I, <laughs> I would say, okay, so, um, now I'm going to put on my sock and I would put it on my hand or what? No. And like, so, and so then, uh, but a lot of times with the, with the teacher, sometimes I would say something like, um, I would play kind of play dumb, meaning I didn't know what it was. So I'd take an object out of the bag and be like, Oh, look, it's, uh, Oh, and then a teacher would be like apple. And I'm like, I know it's apple. <laughs> I was ready for them to tell you. So it's like, so you're basically kind of building in, these playful kind of pauses, these playful kind of playful ignorance, like, oh, oh, I forget. What is that? Oh, yeah, that's a. And then so basically you're trying to see, OK, how many words does my child know? How many more can I teach him? What can I add on? A lot of times with kids, they they're saying what they do know. And some kids are maybe low verbal or nonverbal. Um, and so there are different ways you can kind of um, help them through kind of expressively kind of labeling things, but then, oh, can you give me that, that red crunchy fruit? What is that again? Oh yeah. Apple, apple, or, you know, how to mm-hmm. give you mm-hmm. so, there, so there are different ways of making kind of the ordinary extraordinary in the sense. That's what I always think of with play kind of like, Oh, you're making something. Cause really the main reason why I use what's in the bag is the whole anticipation. So it's like kids love anticipation and adults. They love mystery. Yes, we do. <laughs> if you look at what's really popular today, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but on online, you'll see a lot of those their videos where kids are just opening things. What's inside? And it's a huge, you know, it's a huge um, popular, popular thing that kids are looking at. So, so using that kind of anticipation is kind of like wonder. It, it could be something simple, like oh, it's a pencil, <laughs> you know. But sometimes it's something fun that they get to play with. So it could be regular objects and other things like that that you're 
do it. But but even kids, um, I'm thinking about when you know parents are taking their kids shopping. Like, oh, where is that? Oh, I need that fruit. You know that. You know where do we where do we go for fruit? What's that yellow thing that banana that um monkeys? Eat? Oh yeah, banana. So you know where you're playing you're playing kind of word games. You're getting them to notice things um, while you're shopping. Um, and yeah, and just using kind of that daily routine. Well, what, what are some recommendations for using these tools to work with kids who have ASD or ADHD? Okay. So, yeah. So I, I have something that I like to incorporate with all kids, but I definitely do it more when I'm working with um, ASD or ADHD. I do um, a lot of uh, routines. I set up routines initially. Um, and this could be some, and then I also use visuals because a lot of times kids, the thing between the thing that is different from saying something to a child or an adult and then writing it or seeing it is that one message is transient where if I say something like, um, um, we're going to the library or I show a picture of, oh, we're going to the library or even the word if they're reading, um, they can keep going back to that word and look at it. Oh yeah, we're going to the library as a way to remind themselves where they're going. Where if I say something, it might go in, go out, they might forget it. And then there's some anxiety. A lot of times kids with ADHD and ASD, they, they're not exactly sure what is coming up and what might be happening. So that creates a lot of anxiety. So a lot of times what you want to do is kind of talk to them about what will be happening and then maybe mm. even visually show them something. And it doesn't have to be, um, you know, having pictures of everything. You could have a simple little notebook with you. And if your child is having a hard time transitioning, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave the house. A lot of times they might not want to leave because they don't know where they're going or they're not sure mm. where they're going. And so you can do something simple like um, we're, we're in the house. You can make a little drawing of a house if you know how to draw or maybe just, you know, mm. write, write the word. And then say, we're going to the library where there are books, and then we're going to McDonald's after, or we're going to play with your friend, something that's fun too. So they see, oh, first I'm doing this, then I'm doing this, and then finally we're going to end up here, something fun. And what that does it, for ADHD kids, that helps kind of organize and, okay, this is our routine first, then, and finally we do this. With kids with ASD, same thing. But they also have that kind of warning. That was another thing I was going to bring in that when you have kids, um, really any kid, I think, is likes to know what's going to happen next. Because sometimes if you're going from one thing to the other and like, let's go, it, it kind of creates like, wait, wait, what are we doing? Are we mm -hmm. So there is some, some time to kind of verbally prep and then maybe even, um, you know, visually prep. You can say things like, oh, when I count, I mean, in one more minute or five more minutes, we're going to the park. In three more minutes, we're going to the park. One more minute, we're going to the park. So also, if they're engaged in some other kind of activity that they really like, they kind of have a warning a few times and recognize, oh, okay, let me get myself ready for that. You know, and so that way, okay, now it's time That's to good. go to the park. Yeah. 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 I yeah, also yeah. use a lot of music sometimes because the music part of it makes transitions, especially for younger kids, 
um, a little more organized and it seems more, okay, that sounds fun. I, I don't mind doing that. I do things like walking, walking, walking down the hallway or walking to the library or walking to, yeah, mm -hmm. things like that. And if you're not a singer, you don't have to sing. Verbal <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, this All of this has been very informational, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask this last thing about you. I know we met, we both were at an author's event. So can you tell me a little bit about your videos, your books, and what spurred you to develop those resources? Oh, yes, definitely. Thank you for asking. So it was funny. I was, I went, this actually happened during COVID when I had a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> I was, I was uh, right before that doing karate and speech therapy in person. And then um, during COVID, when we kind of were, we, we did some Zoom classes on uh, for karate. And I also did some Zoom private clients, but I wasn't in a physical space like with the mats because I worked with a lot of preschoolers and some some kids that were a little lower functioning that um, I, I needed that hands-on kind of feel. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of my work online. But while I had that time, I thought, you know what, what have I been doing over the past 25 years? I, and I, I really have been, um, I think part of, for me, play is creativity, is using my mind. Like, how can I make this fun? So I always think of my job as, um, oh, this is what I have to teach this child. I have to open up their world to communicate in this way. But how can I make it fun? Because if mm -hmm. it's not fun, then it's hmm then it's this. And when someone's like this or not feeling engaged, how much are they learning? Not, they're not learning. So one of the things I always try to do is figure out how can I make something fun? So I, I thought about most of my sessions when I'm working with all different types of kids. I would work with kids with cerebral palsy, kids on the, uh, the spectrum, um, kids just with speech, speech delays or phonological issues. And the main thing I would do is I would always have a routine. Like first we're going to do this, then this, then this, and sometimes repeat them. Or the routine basically sets up the structure that then you can have some change in it, especially for kids that are on the spectrum. That's something that's really valuable. You're teaching flexibility. But the, the, um, the books and the programs I developed um, were all part of incorporating whatever I was teaching and generalizing those concepts. So for example, I'll give you an example. My, uh, all my, the books that I've written are all based on different themes, but they're based on preschool, like high function um, vocabulary that are the most frequently occurring words in a preschooler's vocabulary. And then there, then there's some after that. So what I'm doing is looking at a category like food. I, I should have brought my book so I can show it you. But anyway, in, the, in there, I have, you know, seven different basic food objects like apple, banana. Uh, cereal, cookie. And then on the next page, I have um, a illustration of that apple in context. So a girl is sitting under an apple tree eating an apple, but you know, there's more, a little bit more to it than that. Then I put the, what's in the bag, the apple in the bag. And then I actually use the apple and the baby doll in play interaction. So what I'm doing is trying to generalize, here's one word apple and then concepts around it 
and then trying to figure out how am I going to place that in all these different learning environments. And so that's that's really what most of my programs are about. And you can find them online. The YouTube is free. And then I also have um, a Bella, which I can send you links to, which is an online um, resource for parents and teachers that really goes through all these ideas in depth. You can look at that too as well. And then awesome. Awesome. Do you have titles to your books where they can find them? Yes. Yes. So, so basically um, on amazon.com and actually um, right now I have seven books. I'm uh, what I'm trying to do is create a whole um, a year uh, full. So that way it can be uh, incorporated into a curriculum at schools. So right now I have food, clothing, toys, um, things that go places we go. And then my newest one is emotions. I'm leaving out one. I, I should have brought them in. Sorry about that. But I do have my little, uh, my little bookmarks and then you can find them on amazon.com and it's through Linda Salvo. So it's in Linda Salvo. And then on my, on my um, website, you can buy the DVDs that I've made um, that are through video modeling and then also all the books as well. And my, my website is play with purpose llc.com. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to turn this over to my fabulous podcast producer, Sarah. Uh, uh, thank <laughs> Thanks, Miranda. <laughs> Thanks, Lynn. That was so helpful. Um, I think a lot of people are going to get so much from this, even mm-hmm. as adults, you know, I think we sometimes need to know what's coming and that routine. <laughs> Right, right. That helps us too sometimes. Well, so well, I, I can... well, I, yeah, I was gonna say. I always say people always have their Apple Watches or their yeah. calendars. Or, but we all mm-hmm. use. We all use. It makes life easier. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So we always like to give some give people something to take with them into the week or into the month to kind of act on what they've learned in the podcast. So if you could. Um, what can people do, let people know what they can do this week or this month to fit more play-based learning into their child's schedule? Yeah. Okay, great. So my, my biggest thing is just look at your daily routines um, figure, and, and play doesn't have to be like a sit down period where you're sitting for 15, you know, half an hour, 20 minutes, you can incorporate it into you know, your wake up routine, getting dressed, um, even with mealtime, you know, having setting the table or feeding the baby the food while you're eating the food and Mm -hmm. taking turns with that. Mm -hmm. So using routines, so that way it makes it um, not so uh, overwhelming. I think sometimes people think, well, I don't have time to sit down and play that much. But play really only takes a couple a couple seconds, a couple minutes, and throughout the day, I feel like you can find time, you know, to, to incorporate that in. I yeah. agree. And I was going to say in the car, way, anyway. and then the other thing I always say is um, the engagement part is, is just kind of paying attention and, you know, um, seeing child seems um, interested in and liking and having kind of that back and forth with them. One of the things today with modern technology that is so tricky is that we tend to be on our phone or thinking about, oh, I have to go up to do this next. And sometimes just putting that down and just even looking at our child and, oh, mm-hmm. or in, maybe asking a question or not even asking a question, 
just being playful and making a face, something like mm. that. They're like, oh, all right, there you go. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then sometimes the, the third thing I would say is kind of using um, using the moments throughout the day to kind of you, um, you know, have those situations where you're maybe pausing, waiting for them to answer something or fill in something. If you're singing a song, you know, mm-hmm. like McDonald had a bar or like, you know, twinkle, twinkle, little and then star. And, you know, that into um, kind of that intonation of rising and falling to kind of get them connected into you. But yeah, those are my three main things that I think are pretty easy to take away. Not not too labor intensive. And libraries, use your libraries. Because libraries have a lot of free resources, books, as well as toys. They have a lot of lending libraries too. So if you want to add some toys in. Yeah, great tips. Those are very not overwhelming <laughs> okay <laughs> those are, I think very yeah people can totally use those to fit those into the day and I agree libraries I just realized like in the last few years how cool live I mean I've always liked libraries but I mean yeah you can get almost anything like a, you can check out a computer now and <laughs> right. toys. Right. yeah so that's, very that's a great fun. idea yeah I love that well thank you for joining us and thank it's you. been so fun. Yes, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, you know, thank you, Miranda, for inviting me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I, I appreciate you using my books, you know, beautiful and all the books that I have with yeah. your, in your curriculum and your dojo. I just love yeah. it. So I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to coming to speak to the kids and talk to you and meet them. So it's going to be phenomenal. So thank you. I really appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Ditto. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks again for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. All, right. All right, everyone. Well, take care and we will talk again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. All right bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Head over to msquarebooks.com where you can find all the latest books and hear about upcoming events like live readings. See you next time.